0: Hello, good evening, and welcome to tonight's episode of The Mary Trump Show. Uh, We're going to get right to it. I want to introduce my phenomenal guest, Medea Hassan, author, award-winning journalist, interviewer par excellence, and host of The Mehdi Hassan Show on Sundays at 8 on MSNBC and daily on Peacock. Many. I am so grateful you're here. Thank you for thank you for coming.
1: Thank you for having me. It's so weird to be on this side of the conversation, Mary. Normally, you're a guest on my show, but you were the first guest on both of my shows when they launched on MSNBC and Peacock, so it's a pleasure to be Which here.
0: Which is so cool. I That's like one of my favorite uh, fun facts. But uh, it is a pleasure that we're going to have more time uh, yeah. to dive in. Um, and I, there has been so much going on this week that it, it sort of feels um, impossible and not necessarily productive to go through everything that's gone on. Uh, so I wanted to start with this. Flooding the zone has always been a, a tactic that Donald has used, and it's always been to keep people from focusing for any length of time on any one horrible thing he's done, right? And yeah. we saw that continue when uh, he came into office, uh, when one horrible thing followed and there were never any consequences. But now it's beginning to feel like a strategy on the right. It's as if the, the Republican Party feels that they, their, their opportunity to seize power is slipping away, and yet at the same time they, they see this tipping point so they're coming at us in a multi-front war. And that's kind of what this week has felt like to me.
1: Yeah, this week, this month, this year, 2022, each year gets worse than the next think right. Maybe this year we'll have some respite, some relief. Um, and as someone who you know, covers the news daily, there's uh, always just too much. And I think you're right. I think the flooding the zone, look, that was Steve Bannon's phrase uh, to Michael Lewis, I think it was, uh, in an interview for Bloomberg, where he said, you know, the real opposition is not the Democratic Party, it's the media. And the way you deal with the media is to flood the zone with excrement. And that is what they've done so um, handily and effectively. And what's really scary now is Donald Trump left office uh, reluctantly over a year, you know, almost a year and a half ago, but it's all the mini Trumps who have come to take his place uh, both in a, in a kind of congressional crazy way. You know, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Lauren Boberts, the Matt Gateses, who are masters of doing the same thing, of flooding the zone. You know, that's deliberate. There's no debate about that. Marjorie Taylor Greene thinks every week, what more offensive thing can I say? It'll distract from the previous weeks. And, um, they all get away with it, with the exception of Madison Cawthorn, because his own party turned on him, so he lost this week for all the wrong reasons. He was a master of flooding the zone with craziness. I did a 60-second rant on my show the other day, like, literally going through all the things he should have been gotten rid of, right. uh, you know, bringing a knife in secret to a school board meeting, taking a gun onto a plane, trying to take a gun onto a plane twice, Hitler's vacation home, you know, sexual misconduct allegations, um, you know, uh, saying that there's going to be bloodshed and he may have to pick up a gun against his fellow Americans, uh, saying the crowd on January 6th was Antifa, like, I could keep going and going. There's so much. And yet he went, he actually, they got rid of him because he suggested that they all go to cocaine-fueled orgies. Um, so these mini-Trumps have been doing it in a kind of crazy attention-seeking way. And then there's the smart, savvy, I could say smarter, savvier versions. There's the Ron DeSantis of this world. Mm-hmm. We also know how to flood the zone. Uh, and they do it in a much more kind of um, using the power of government because they have it, the executive authority, in the way that Donald Trump did in office. So it's banning math textbooks. It's getting rid of Disney's special tax status. It's going off to transgender kids in school. It's going off to kids in masks standing behind him on a podium. Um, right. It's passing voter suppression laws, uh, abortion laws. Um, so th- where do you start with Ron DeSantis? We did a whole special show on Florida the other day simply because. I kept ending up doing segments on Florida week after week. And I said to one of my producers who lives in Florida, I was like, Let's just do the whole show in Florida, because this guy, this is, this is the petri dish of American extremism. This is where no, nothing that happens in Florida stays in Florida. What Ron DeSantis is doing, he's going to take to a national level in 24 if Donald Trump doesn't run. So let's just do the whole show in Florida, because it seems like every crazy thing that happens in the Republican body happens in Florida first or second. It's a microcosm. So, so I think on multiple levels, in the states with the Republican governors, in Congress with these kind of crazies, Yes, they are flooding the zone, and we don't know where to look. Uh, They're masters of hijacking the agenda. They turned the Ketanji Brown Jackson historic hearings into a joke uh, crusade against child porn and groomers, and they did it. and they And they were able to, you know, the Democrats didn't really push back very much, apart from Cory Booker, and they were able to do that. And they're able to take these topics, whether it's Dr. Seuss whether it's Mr. Potato Head, whether it's critical race theory, whether it's child porn, and they are able to dominate the headlines, get the headlines they want, launder their nonsense through mainstream media. And unfortunately, a lot of people in my industry go along with it, wittingly or unwittingly. And uh, unfortunately, the Democrats just don't push back. I had former Senator Doug Jones, lovely man, smart guy on my show the other day. And I said, you shepherded Ketanji Brown Jackson through the hearings. Don't you think you guys should have pushed back harder? And, you know, and you should have called out the fact that the Republican, the party, Republican Party, the party of Denny Haster went to prison for child sex abuse, uh, the party of Matt Gates under federal investigation, the party of Jim Jordan accused of turning a blind eye to sexual abuse. That party's talking about, uh, you know, child sex offences. You know, he said to me, he said, that's for others to do. We shouldn't be doing stuff like that. What? What world are we living in? And John John Tester told Politico, I believe, the other day when he was asked, you know, are you going to push back against Great Replacement theory and point out that Fox and the GOP are pushing it? No, I'm not going to get into that.
0: We see how well that worked out in Virginia.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, Virginia. this moral high ground. I am a great admirer of Michelle Obama, but I think one of the most damaging contributions of Michelle Obama to liberal politics was that when they go high, when they go low, we go high. Uh, no. No, I, yeah. I, like Don, I like Don Winslow's line. He said it on my show the other day, the author, he said, when they go low, no. I'll be there waiting for them.
0: Exactly. And I, I agree with you. I I, no idea what Michelle Obama meant. I, I like to think she didn't mean going high means be a doormat, but it's astonishing to me the number of Democrats who have interpreted it that way. Yeah. And it, it ties us up in a way, it, it prevents so many um avenues of not just attack but of all, also of defense right uh, not that we should be on the defensive but
1: Attack is the best form of defense. That's that's rule 101 of sport, of politics, of every avenue. People don't want to hear this. I've just finished writing a book. Mary, let me just do a plug. I literally just sent the manuscript to my publisher. It comes out in November. It's called Win Every Argument. It's about the art of debating, persuading, public speaking. One of my things in there is, you know, you have to be able to go on the offense. You have to be able to kind of, uh, you know, this whole aversion to, you know, play the ball, not the man. That's not how the world works. That's great in theory. But that is not real life, ever. It's certainly not real life in an age of one party says the other party are groomers, pedophiles, communists, traitors. The other party can't be like, well, you know, we're going to take the moral high ground. That doesn't work. It just doesn't.
0: No, the the response is, well, you know, we did, we're doing well in the economy. Kitchen table issues. Let's talk about kitchen kitchen table issues. You know what's a kitchen table issue? I don't know. Still having a democracy after (laughs) the 2022 midterm? Call me crazy. Yes, but it's also as if they they don't understand that it is all the same thing: the attacks on women and Roe v. Wade, the attacks on the LGBTQ community and trans kids in particular, people of color. You know this horrific mass murder that happened. Um, because white supremacy has never been addressed in this issue. It is a platform of one of our two major political parties. And um, the availability of guns and the undermining of democracy, which we're going to talk about also. because of what happened on Tuesday, they don't seem to understand that all of those things are related because all of those things need to happen in order for Republicans to get what they want.
1: I think, and I think it's partly because sadly, they live in a world, Capitol Hill, where it's hard to disentangle they're old friends across the aisle. The people they chat with, the people they hang out with, uh, from this horrible ideology that the people they hang out with are either pushing openly or turning a blind eye to as their colleagues push. And I think that's the fundamental problem. You know, it goes back to Joe Biden famously, apparently, reportedly telling Mitch McConnell, "We want you back. We like you, Mitch. Like working with you." My my friend, Mitch McConnell, he says even now, as as president, as Mitch McConnell tries to destroy him and his party and even his family. Um, so I just just just. You know, it's Dick Durbin, what did he say recently about uh, when he was before the Ketanji Brown-Jackson, he was a new judiciary chair. He said something along the lines of, you know, I want Chuck Grassley to be on board. He's my friend. I want the deputy. You saw Nancy Pelosi the other day say, I want a strong Republican Party. And it's, have you ever heard Republicans say any of this about Democrats? Have you ever yeah. seen Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy say we want a strong Democratic Party?
0: Have you ever seen them talk about it's just it's always one way traffic. It is. And it's sort of weird to me that uh, they can be friends with people who hate them. But, uh, you know, I.
1: I, I Lindsey Graham and Joe Biden were very good friends going back years. Lindsey Graham uh, not only enabled Donald Trump and Donald Trump's bigotry, but went hard after Joe Biden's son. Um, And it feels very odd. And, you know, just, you know, you look at that stuff and you think, uh, there is, you know, we know why voters are disillusioned with. American politics and politicians. We know that turnout is really bad here, even in comparison to other Western democracies. And it's and you know we know that Donald Trump had an anti-establishment you know support in 2016 at least. Uh, Bernie Sanders had the same for different and much more <laughs> noble reasons in 2016 and 2020. And there's a reason that John Fetterman just won in Pennsylvania not because of a particular policy, but because there are people running as more authentic human beings, uh, certainly Bernie and Fetterman, and running against the system. People see the system as Morally and politically and financially corrupt, and in many ways they're right. And when you see how politicians behave in big moments, you're like, you know, what's the what's the George Carlin night? Like? It's a big club, and you're not in it.
0: Yeah, but the Republicans use the system against Americans all the time. Um, so, in other words, I understand that voters are kind of sick of uh, business as usual, which is a large part of the reason we got Donald. And, um, you know, they like that he told it like it is, even though like it is for him was being really racist and misogynistic. And, um, and you know, people just just want straight talk. In fact, I spoke with uh, Mallory McMorrow, Michigan State yes. Senator, and she said people who voted for Donald said they were going to vote for her for the same reason, because they liked how she spoke straight at them, right? Okay, Why do that's more weird.
1: Democrats do that, Mary? It's, it's, it's not rocket science.
0: But that's the thing. People want. We, nobody wants. Certainly not on the left. Nobody wants compromise right now. We want people fighting for us.
1: Key. Okay, that's and the key.
0: How do they keep missing the opportunity? Like, what more evidence do we need? Yeah. Then what has been happening um, with you know somebody like David Mastriano getting the Republican gubernatorial nomination in Pennsylvania? Somebody who is. The most anti-choice you could possibly be. Um, He's basically said, I will steal the 2024 presidential election if a Democrat gets the popular vote. And he was at the insurrection. What more do we need? Republicans are totally cool with starving immigrant children by taking baby formula away from them.
1: Yeah, but it's, it shouldn't be left up to journalists or commentators or pundits to be doing the heavy lifting. I mean, I find the whole thing bizarre. Let's take let's take the most obvious example that I've been railing about all week, and some Democrats are upset with me for this, but there's a massacre in Buffalo. The guy who carries out the massacre reportedly is a subscriber to Great Replacement Theory, which is a racist, far-right, neo-Nazi-esque conspiracy theory about Democrats, liberals, Jews, bringing in brown and black people to replace white Americans. This is a theory that has been pushed you know we've all many people have pointed out i pointed out on my show in a very viral clip tucker carlson's been pushing this on fox and chuck schumer writes a letter to fox saying hey you guys gotta do something about this replacement stuff but it's not just tucker carlson elise Stefanik, number three house republican has been pushing this stuff matt gates has been pushing this stuff scott perry has been pushing this stuff pete mm-hmm. Sessions has been pushing it. that's just four house members off the top of my head Way ron, more johnson. Than ron johnson in the Senate. so the question is monday morning Why is there not uh, a coordinated Democratic Party response calling out Republicans by name for this? I haven't seen it. When I point this out, people say, well, Chuck Schumer has been very outspoken about Fox. Great, but you're not running against Fox in the midterms. People say Joe Biden went to Buffalo and called out great replacement theory. Yet in general, he didn't say who's actually pushing it. Nancy Pelosi, I haven't heard much from her this week. What could it The Republican Party has the ability to take a single person random fringe people, activists, someone you've never heard of, some Black Lives Matter activist who no one's ever heard of, some you know lefty you know social justice warrior, and they will turn them into a household name. They will demonize them. They will blow them up. They have the message discipline, enviable message discipline, across Fox, across Breitbart, across the House GOP, and they will go bang, 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 bang until everyone knows Benghazi, everyone knows Hillary's emails, everyone knows Hunter Biden's laptop. Democrat, and they're all BS. Most of those stories are all BS stories. Yeah, You have a real story here where Republicans are on the record supporting a vile, deadly conspiracy theory. And I have yet to hear a member of the Democratic leadership in the House, Senate, or White House call out Elise Stefanik by name. It's now, what is it, Thursday afternoon? We're coming up to a week. Why?
0: And not only that many, the the mass murder in Buffalo, um, besides involving a weapon of mass murder that should be illegal. Um, wasn't He wasn't just a, a white supremacist who subscribed to great replacement theory. He He's a domestic terrorist. It's never spoken about in those terms, even though we know from the FBI that white supremacy uh, inspired domestic terrorism is our number one issue by far in this country. So when it, it's sort of like when it comes to guns and when it comes to white supremacy and religion, uh, you know, white evangelicism, re- Democrats just start pulling their punches. And meanwhile, you know, um, I don't think that the, what white evangelicals in the extreme end subscribe to has anything to do with the kind of religion that... Yeah, you have.
1: You have a Tennessee pastor, Greg Locke, standing in church saying, Democrats should get the hell out of my church. They're evil. They shouldn't vote. First of all, how do you have tax-exempt status as a church when you're saying that stuff? Secondly, like there are no limits. It's it's just like, it comes back to the point we made earlier. We have a political system and a election campaign for the midterms in which one side is saying the other side is the spawn of Satan, the groomers, the pedophiles. And the other side is like, oh, we want a little bit more healthcare and, uh, you know, vote for us and we'll do something on abortion. And, you know, maybe some bipartisan legislation. I saw someone yesterday, I think it was Gottheimer, who else? Uh, Josh Gottheimer, the centrist Democrat from New Jersey. I think he was uh, tweeting or messaging yesterday about how We all got together and, you know, we persuaded, we worked together bipartisan on this or that issue. I'm like, really, this is what you're still pushing? Like, this is ridiculous. I just don't know what else to say. And I'm really bothered about the Buffalo thing because you have 10 people dead. You have black people killed in a store shopping. And even then, the Democratic Party, the, the president who said black people always have my back, I'll always have yours, will come out and speak in general terms. And people say, clap, clap, clap. See, Joe Biden did speak out, Mehdi. What are you talking about? And I'm like, no, there are individual Republicans who are pushing. Them. Why are you not holding the Republican Party to Look, I yield to no one in my criticism of Fox. I think Democrats shouldn't even go on Fox. Uh, I've spent many segments criticizing Tucker Carlson's mainstreaming of white supremacy. But at the end of the day, Fox is not up for election in November. The Republican okay. Party is what are you going to say about Kevin McCarthy? Why can't Pelosi and Schumer hold a press conference and say, Kevin McCarthy, will you strip the whip? Will you take away uh, all um, affiliations from Elise Stefani? He's not going to do it, obviously, but it's it's political malpractice not to draw attention to it.
0: And why aren't they holding hearings?
1: Oh, they don't do hearings as well. Where's (laughs) Julie Thomas? Why is she not at a hearing? I mean, the Republican, my favorite one of all is oh, if we start doing this, we'll set a bad precedent. Republicans will use it against us. They're going to do it anyway. They already did do it. Have you forgotten exactly what it Exactly, first. Hillary Clinton, was it hit 11 hours? It's always, it's always the case of Democrats self-flagellating. The Republicans cut the Supreme Court to eight. Big issue of mine, Mary. Supreme Court expansion. You've got to expand the Supreme Court. You've got to rebalance it. When you a say, it, well, what about Republicans? They'll do it in response. What do you mean in response? They already did it. They cut the court to eight for nearly a year after Scalia died. Ted Cruz said, if Hillary Clinton's elected, we'll keep it at eight for the entire Hillary Clinton presidency. So again, and then you have Chris Coons, senator from Delaware, just a few weeks ago saying on TV, you know what, maybe it's our fault that Lindsey Graham got so mad. Maybe I shouldn't have voted against Gorsuch. The self-flagellation on the Democratic side just does my head in.
0: And not just the self-flagellation. The self-flagellation in the face of the... The obvious proof we now have that those, the latest three members, certainly, and Alito and Thomas are extreme religious fanatics. And the other thing about Gorsuch that nobody ever mentions is anybody who was willing to take Merrick Garland's seat has no honor.
1: Yes. None. Very good point. He wait. could have turned it down. He could so, I'll say, wait, I'll wait for the next vacancy, which is legitimate. No, it's a good point
0: right so i i agree that the democrats do they seem incapable of, of getting out of their own way um and the republicans are really good now granted it's a it's a it is a huge advantage uh when you don't have any problem lying cheating and stealing and can do it without shame that that does give them... And when
1: you have a propaganda organization behind you, like Fox.
0: Of course. And now the stacked illegitimate Supreme Court um, that you know will, even if even if we did pass the the Women's Health, whatever it's called... Oh, they'll strike it down. They will strike it down um, as soon as it... This uh, is why gets- all
1: roads lead back to Supreme Court expansion. I've been saying this for the last year and a half. You yeah. Whatever you do, as long as they have the power to strike it down in a very illegitimate
0: way, then what's the point? So it's almost with Democrats that they're – well, it is. They're more concerned with playing by rules. Like, you know, we can't get rid of the filibuster. And it's not just because what if the Republicans do? Well, the Republicans already have in ways that really matter, like for the federal judiciary and SCOTUS nominations. But And, yes, of course, they will do it the first second they get uh, the majority. But it's also – A lie to suggest that the filibuster has anything to do with how this country was founded. It's, it's, it has nothing. It's not in the constitution
1: yes I mean, abortion isn't I mean, exactly. Is. alito says that abortion's not in the constitution he's right nor is the filibuster nor is the number nine the nine justices of the supreme court it's not in the constitution That's right. it's changed six times before so there's no magic right. holy number there but look that again requires a change in mindset mary you have democrats in congress who just don't i just worry there's too many democrats in congress who are not cut out for this historic moment historical moment we're in they think we're in the 1990s or 80s or whatever it is they're longing for some Age that does not exist. Joe Biden, remember what Joe Biden said on the campaign trail? When I get elected, there will be an epiphany. Once Trump is gone and I'm in office, the Republicans will have an epiphany. How's that worked out for him? Uh, Not so great a year and a half into his presidency. So I just think, you know, the filibuster, Supreme Court. What about D.C. statehood? Where's that? That could be done by an act of Congress. Puerto Rico. It's not a constitutional amendment. Um, Right. It's just ridiculous that these things have not been done. You think the Republicans, if they could add four seats to the Senate, which benefited them, wouldn't do it? That's not the reason I'm saying it should be done. To be clear, I think it should be done because it's ridiculous D.C. doesn't have representation. It's ridiculous that Puerto Rico, if it wants it, can't have representation. But the idea that if the Republicans wouldn't do it, again, as you point out, they'd do it in a second if it benefited them. It'd be done within 60 seconds. If they thought getting rid of the filibuster and making D.C. a state helped their cause, they would do it in a second. This is the party that said you cannot put a Supreme Court justice on the bench in the year of an election, eight, nine months before that election, and then four years later, put Amy Coney Barrett, after millions of people had already voted, in an election like that is, they're not they're not pretending that they care about any of these things in any kind of consistent way so yeah i mean people get annoyed at me and say why are you, why are you being a useful idiot for the republicans you need to focus on republicans i agree i do i spend most of my time criticizing this far right i was criticizing the republican party as authoritarian back when people were telling me not to be so alarmist um but uh the problem is that we have a two-party system in this country and if one of the right. two parties is not standing up to the other anti-democratic party there's no one left there's nothing left to protect any of us uh, those of us in the fourth estate, those of us as citizens, and it's a real, real problem. And I, every time I think this is the moment the Democrats will fight back, I don't see it. And I think you made that point earlier. This isn't, I was also saying this to a friend as well. It, it is about the fight. It's not about left and right right now. It's not about do you support, you know, this moderate policy or this progressive policy, do you support Medicare for all, or do you support this and that. As you point out, all those issues are subsumed within one, which is do you support saving our democracy, and do you have mm-hmm. what it takes to fight? to save that democracy. Because that's, that's that's what I think a lot of Democrats, liberals, independents, Americans want right now. As go back to the authenticity point. They want people who are just going to say what's going on, be clear about it, not hide behind, you know, political language, you know, political talking points and speak clearly, you know, to come back to Mallory McMorrow in Michigan, speak clearly about what's going on, speak in a normal language and speak with the righteous anger that a lot of people feel right now.
0: It also... Astonishes me that that, uh, Democrats don't understand, one, the concept of being an ally. And two, the concept of giving your base what your base is demanding of you. Uh, The Republicans cater to
1: their base. base. They're what? They're embarrassed by their base, the Democrats. Republicans embrace the crazies.
0: But this is the thing the democratic base is a bunch it's a, it's a it's a bunch of very diverse people um who want everybody to have health care and a living wage and the base on the republican side is a bunch of white supremacist misogynistic nazis so it is a little mind-boggling and people people get very
1: upset and they'll say mary trump just called all republicans nazis and the point is no not all republicans are nazis but the people who are turning up Uh, to the people who are turning up to scream at school boards and the people who are sending death threats to school board members and uh, to uh, election supervisors, the people who turned up at the Capitol, uh, the people who turned up at Trump rallies and cheered when he said that Ilhan Omar should be sent back to where she came from. Right. Yeah, you are. Those people are white. You know, those people are pushing white supremacy. Those people are. In, I said the other day, the great replacement neo-Nazis was like, really? I was like, yeah, literally. Neo-Nazis at Charlottesville were shouting, Jews will not replace us. Right? Yeah. This is, and, you know, people say, oh, Godwin's law. But of course, Godwin himself said after Charlottesville. <laughs> after Charlottesville, Godwin himself said, yeah, call them Nazis. Um, absolutely so, Oh, look, very clear. I think that the line of 2016 still stands today. Not everyone who votes for Donald Trump is a racist but everyone who votes for Donald Trump or this party is okay with racism. The racism isn't a deal breaker. That is that is the bare minimum of combat that we have to accept. And, and 2016, yeah. I always say 2016, I will give a lot of people who voted for Trump a pass because Same. there was a lot of anger around the election. Hillary Clinton was a very divisive candidate, rightly or wrongly, she was. And Donald Trump was this kind of TV guy and anti establishment he'd blow the place up. It'll be a bit of fun. My issue is the people who voted for Trump in increased numbers in 2020, that for me was, whoa, this guy's yep. presided over open racism and white supremacy. This guy's presided over hundreds of thousands of avoidable deaths. And you're going to vote to re-elect him? I mean, for me, that was, that was when you know American democracy and then obviously what happened after the election. Yeah. You have people in Auschwitz, Camp Auschwitz T-shirts and uh, Confederate flags turning up at the Capitol. Uh, you had a candidate on uh, Tuesday who thankfully lost in the Republican Senate race. It's now between Oz and McCormick. But yeah. you had Barnett, the woman in the race, who was photographed marching with Proud Boys on January the 6th. And yet she was a viable candidate for Republican senator in Pennsylvania up until three days ago. Yeah. So, so there's, you know, I, I agree with people who say, don't throw around the Nazi word too casually. Don't make everyone into evil fire. Agreed. But at the same time, don't turn away your eyes from the fact that there is a hardcore of people within this party who are way beyond anything we've seen in modern American politics. And when you look at the experts who are saying this very clearly, look at the European political experts who put out that study a not while back saying the Republican Party is no longer comparable to other center-right parties in the West. It's not comparable to Angela Merkel's party. It is comparable to Viktor Orban's party and to Vladimir Putin's bunch and to the Marine Le Pen's group in France. That, sadly, when you look at the data... That is where the Republican Party now fits. Now, we don't want to say that openly in our media because there's only two parties. And what happens if you admit that one of your two parties is a far-right, anti-democratic, authoritarian movement now?
0: What does happen? Because, you know, I, I would, I'm going to disagree with you. I mean, it's a difference of opinion. Um, I think that anybody who voted for Donald in 2020 is racist. And I make this distinction. I think most of the people who voted for him are racists which is to say they choose consciously uh, to engage in racism, um, but the rest of them are racists, which is to say that it is if if racism isn't a deal-breaker for you, then you're racist. I'm sorry, yeah. you just are. And the, the other thing is... Well, certainly
1: you'll support... Okay, so let's just find some common ground. Certainly you're supporting a racist, Donald Trump. If anyone... If Donald Trump's not a racist, the word has no value that's first thing second thing ironically ibram Kendi, who republicans hate you know this is about the 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 greatest boogeyman of the american right right now is ibram Kendi, Mm -hmm. who talks about race and critical race even though he's not a critical race theorist but obsessed with him and his anti-racism books and what ibram Kendi makes very eloquently makes the point of all people it's ibram Kendi who actually uh, you know uh, helps out these trump voters by pointing he says look People are not racists. It's a useless label as to whether you're racist or not. Like you either are pushing racism at a certain moment in time or you're fighting against racism at a certain moment in time. So, yes, when you're casting your ballot for Donald Trump, you're certainly not opposing racism. That is 100% sure. And, yeah. you know, the problem with the whole the the problem with the racist label is that people are very easy to say, well, I'm not, you know, they become obsessed with the label. Like there's a joke right now that it's like, the worst thing in America to be called is a racist, not to actually do the racism. Like that's the most offensive word for a lot of white conservative Americans. How dare you call me a racist? That is that's, true. That's, that's that the thing you can say to me. No, it's not. There's much more outrageous things I said by racists. But I think the yeah. key point is, to, the point I always make, I come back to is, Donald Trump, I don't know why we've glossed over this so quickly. Donald Trump stood in front of tens of thousands of people. And he said about the squad, send them back. He said, Ilhan Omar should go back to where she came from. Like, since I was a child in the United Kingdom, that has been the very basis of all racism. Go back to where you came from. Get out of here, you foreigner! In fact, the federal government has a definition of racism involved in employment equality law, which is about someone telling you to go back to where you came from. Donald Trump said that about Ilhan Omar. He said it about the squad. He said the rest about the squad of America. At right. least Ilhan Omar is an immigrant. The rest are not even immigrants. And he said that they should go back to their countries. They're all yeah. from America, and yet we somehow just moved on from that. That didn't become, as you, you know, to use the phrase, the deal breaker for everyone. That should have been the beginning and end of every sentence, every interview, every press conference ever from that moment forward. I was amazed. I was on vacation at the time. I was amazed how quickly we just moved on from that. Most people have forgotten he said that. It's not even in the top 10 most outrageous things Donald Trump has said for most people's memory. For me, that was, you know, that was unvarnished, unadulterated, brazen, undeniable racism. And yeah, more people voted for him after he said that than before he said that. That is right. deeply depressing.
0: And it is, it is amazing because that actually... That was fairly early on. Uh, I think the first thing was the Muslim ban, but it wasn't long after. That. That's the thing that broke me because it was we're a country of immigrants, for God's sakes. Like, what the fuck? Including, including, including your family,
1: including the Trump family.
0: My my uh, grandmother was a, an immigrant, and my uh, Donald's grandparents were immigrants. It's a you know, so the hypocrisy is astonishing. Um, but just a to get back uh to what's happening now that is another pattern yeah you know and i don't know it it seems to be unique to donald i, I mean maybe it isn't but just that history of getting away with it and getting away with it nothing's cumulative
1: yeah. and now
0: the same thing seems to be happening with the republican party nothing is cumulative how do we and again i am not at all interested in weakening the Democratic Party, quite the opposite. In fact, when it comes to policies, unless they're really egregious, like the fact that the Biden administration didn't overturn the horrific uh, Trump administration uh, immigration policy, but generally speaking, I don't criticize on policy issues because imagine how much worse things would be if Biden had lost. We're talking about strategy and they need to be pushed. So is there, we can't count on the mainstream media, You know, there are so few people, including you, who are speaking truth to power on a consistent basis, Um, but there aren't enough. So what do Democrats, Democratic voters do? Is it a question of, you know, uh, just taking the matters into our own hands and protesting and, and voting like we've never voted before?
1: It's a tricky one. Even on the abortion issue, the response from the party has been just vote harder, vote harder, vote blue. Yeah. We had Senator Maisie Arona on my show, and she said, "We just—it's fifty-fifty. Senate sucks, and I—you know—we yeah. need more Democrats." And then you know, people point out, "Well, when you had sixty Democrats back in two thousand eight nine, Obama didn't codify Roe." Um, but that's an argument for another day. Yeah. I think my worry is that we're now in the end game. You know, we are now what less than six months away uh, from midterms, and. The 2022 midterms are the most consequential midterm elections of our lives. I know people say that every election, you say, every election the media says is the most important election. No, genuinely, these midterms will decide if Kevin McCarthy becomes Speaker of the House or if Donald Trump becomes Speaker of the House. Do you really think the Republican Party are going to certify the election on January six, 2025? Uh, If Doug Mastriano becomes Governor of Pennsylvania in November... There's no scenario in which the crucial swing state of Pennsylvania's 20 electoral college votes go to a Democrat, no matter how much they win that state by. And I think we've been in denial about this for so long. I mean, I, you think about the voting rights. Think about what, how much pressure was applied to Manchin and Cinema. Activists turned up at Manchin's. In Mansion state, they went up to his boat. They turned up in Cinema's bathroom in the University of Ustichia. Unfortunately, the pressure didn't work. They were, those two just refused to yield. And whatever internal pressure that Biden or Schumer put on them didn't work either and we all just moved on mary isn't that amazing we just moved on when was the last time anyone talked about voting rights legislation it's like, oh that's done let's talk about something else now let's talk about build back better oh that's done let's talk about something else let's talk about and it's just crazy for me that that will go, historians will look back on that late 2021 period where they kind of they bet the house on trying to win over mansion and cinema and failed offered them everything and i just remember the argument was if you push them too hard they'll just defect at this point Effect. I mean, right. well, It's just six months left till democracy might be done. Uh, the, so, you know, did we get Bill back better at least as a second? As a second, you know, as a consolation prize for not getting the freedom to vote with John Lewis? Said? No, we didn't get that either. Even though we were told Manchin, write the bill yourself. Nothing. So, it, when I look at people like Joe Manchin, you know, you saw the recent uh, New York Times author's book that came out where he's quoted as telling um, uh, one Republican senator that he would be willing to defect right. if McConnell wasn't leader. So. Those of us who called him a dino uh, were not being uh, hyperbolic. But I just think this moment we're in now, to come back to your question, yeah, I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I wish I could offer some words of hope and energy and optimism, but I don't see how things turn around now in the next six months. It could If you told me in February, March 2021, I'd say, yeah, there's plenty of time to get stuff done, to fix things. But th- the window is almost closing, if not closed. Uh, barring a miracle, barring a Roe v. Wade inspired wave of turnout in November that somehow manages to br- at least save the Senate, if not the House, um, then uh, I don't see it. I don't see how Republicans win the House and Senate. And they don't, not only do they not undermine the rest of the Biden presidency and prevent a legitimate Biden reelection win in 24,
0: but. So he'll be impeached in, in
1: January. Next, uh, they're going to impeach. They said they're going to impeach Mayorkas. They're going to impeach like cabinet secretaries. Meanwhile, the Democrats can't even hold a hearing into Clarence Thomas because that would be ah, oh, you can't impeach a Supreme Court. justice, even though you can. <laughs> yes, you they can. To. They just don't want to. Um, yeah, I think you know what's going. It's going to be a lot of you know people say I'll be I'll be sitting around. You and I will be sitting around in a year's time saying, "We told you so. We told you so." But it won't help anyone. We well, will maybe screwed by then. And we, I just we
0: might be doing that in a, an undisclosed location.
1: Indeed. Well, that will be 2025. 2025.
0: Um, yes, no, well, I mean, seriously,
1: I've interviewed people on my show who a year ago I would have said, even a year ago I would have said, no, not yet. But now people like Barbara Walter of, U- uh, of, U- um, of University of California who's written a book saying we are closer to a civil war than any time since 1865. And you think, oh, unfortunately, that every day that goes by, those kind of once hyperbolic scenarios uh, look very real. I don't know what it's going to look like in 24, um, but it's not going to look like anything we've seen before. American democracy, if it dies, because it's dying right now, but if it dies, and God help us if it does, but if it dies, it won't look like anything we've seen anywhere else. It'll be like As with everything else, American, American exceptionalism, it'll look very particular to America. Um, and it is worrying that we have so many guns in this country at a time of great political uh, division, at a time of one party basically uh, yep. turning its back on democracy and truth and facts. And... Yeah, all I can pray for is a miracle. America has pulled things off against the odds before. On paper, we're heading in one direction. Like all the evidence, all the data, every, all the precedent says we're going in one direction. So if I was a betting man, I'd say, I don't see us changing off that path. But I'm not a betting man, I'm a Muslim. I'm not allowed to bet. So let me be, try and be hopeful and optimistic as we, as we head towards the end of this and say, Americans have pulled off victories against the odds before. There might be a shock in November that is positive for democracy. There might be a wave in 24 that prevents Republicans as they tried in 2020 from rigging the election. I mean, in 2020, incompetence saved us. Um, Will it save us again in 24? I don't know. But I genuinely think, I I don't even wanna say people need to get organized. That's patronizing. People are doing way more organizing or activism than I could ever do myself if I wasn't a journalist. And I'm full of admiration of the people in my social media feeds, people I know in my everyday life who are doing amazing protests, amazing get out the vote efforts, amazing education campaigns? Uh, I have nothing but respect and awe for the activists in this country, for the people who are out there engaged. I don't think it's—I don't think you can tell people just vote harder or organize harder. People have done that. That's right. At some point, this is why my ire is on the Democratic body in Congress and in the state level—is our elected leaders need to step up and do what they're elected to do.
0: Yeah, and as you say, it it feels that so many opportunities—and um, by opportunities, I mean outrages—have been squandered. You know, the fact that gun death isn't enough, the the uh, the fact that so many Black Americans have been dis- disenfranchised isn't enough. Uh, domestic terrorism isn't enough. Uh, white supremacy isn't enough. Will Roe be enough? And since we're we're almost at a time, what? Do you think that the January 6th committee hearings could ha- possibly move the needle at all?
1: It's a tricky one.
0: Uh, yeah,
1: I am. Um, I don't want to be optimist or pessimist. I want to be a realist and say yeah. we will never know how much the very to go back. Let's end the way we started. You were talking about flooding the zone. We will never know how much the scandals that really stood out during the Trump presidency contributed to his defeat in 2020. How much of it was uh, COVID? How much of it was, you know, uh, liberals energized by all of his scandals, Muller, et cetera? How much of it was the first impeachment trial, etc., etc.? Clearly, you know, he was the target. People, went, people turned out to vote against Donald Trump. We know that. So the question then becomes, the 16 committees are not going to change people's minds on the right. Right? That's just not oh, yes. right. The, the right has made up their minds and those who haven't made up their minds, their media diet makes up for them. Right. And this is why I try and explain to people no matter let's say you have the most amazing hearing where some amazing revelations come out, it's still mediated to millions of people in this country through Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson, right? That's yep. the reality that people just don't seem to get. Um, and therefore that's not the audience. The audience is can Democrats persuade not just their own base but independent voters that this is what's at stake. This is what went down, and this is why you need to prevent it from happening again. And, you know, are you know this. There are two schools of thought on this. There's one school of thought which says the Democrats have taken far too long and have worn kid gloves and have not gone after the plotters and leaders of the 1-6 plot hard enough or quick enough. Merrick Garland, where, are? Oh, where is Merrick Garland? There's another school of thought that says no, this has all been happening meticulously behind the scenes. The evidence has been collected by the committee, the evidence has been collected by the DOJ. they'll have more credibility because they did it in this way. I lean towards the first camp, but I hope I'm wrong. never have I hoped to be wrong more. I would love to be wrong I would you know nothing would make me happier than say. I'd love to do a long monologue at the start of my show saying why I was wrong about Merrick Garland and the 1-6 committee. I hope and pray for that day to come. Um, But let's see if it comes. The hearings are going to be certainly a spectacle. Certainly the likes of Jamie Raskin, we know, are very impressive uh, figures. I have great time and respect for such people. Uh, Liz Cheney, for all my disagreements with Liz Cheney, and I don't think I'll ever forgive her for many of the things she did, including supporting torture and pushing birtherism and Islamophobia. But in this moment... What she has done has been crucial. She called out, by the way, to go again, go back to what we started with. She called out the Republican Party on great replacement on white supremacy on Monday in much yes, hotter terms than any Democratic lawmaker. Yes, she did. And I think she's a vital voice in this moment, whether we like it or not. And I right. think it'll be interesting to see what they do with the evidence they have. They've interviewed what, a thousand people, they've interviewed Trump, they've interviewed Trump family members, they've interviewed yeah. your cousins in a way yeah. that others wouldn't be able to get to those people. And I just think, you know, Jamie Raskin's raised the bar. It's not me raising the bar. Jamie Raskin went to Georgetown a couple of weeks ago and said, it's going to blow the roof off when we do these public hearings. I mean, are they, are they over-promising and under Let's see.
0: Um, Sounds like a think, Democratic thing to do.
1: I know. <laughs> it's, not going to change, it's not going to change any Republican mind. That's the first starting point. Forget about the Republican Party. But can it get a, you know, look at the polling on young people right now it's yeah. dire it's dire and this was a group that crucial people thought oh, young people don't vote not true young voters were crucial to the 2018 midterms victory and the 2020 Biden victory you got to get them energized you know where is the action on student debt important point on climate change. But yeah. also, to come back to what you said, I agree with you. And and, and our mutual friend, Molly jong Fast wrote a great piece for The Atlantic the other day, saying, stop saying people don't care about democracy. That becomes a weird, self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. And people do care about democracy. You just need to tell them what's at stake. And it can't just be the media. It has to be the Democratic Party leadership.
0: Right. And I, I think, you know, Gen Z, um, my daughter's 20, so she's right in there. And I've been talking to her about this a lot. It's, they, one, with Roe, they don't quite understand what it means because it's always been there for them. So they've never had to think about it. Um, And I don't know that they have as much, they don't understand how much power they have because COVID climate change now wrote, they feel so helpless. So they need to be empowered because I think that Democrats and you know, this as well as anybody, and it makes our heads explode. They keep going after the fucking swing voters on the right. There aren't any. None, they're not, anybody who voted for Donald twice is not voting for a Democrat. We need to go after people who don't vote, haven't voted because we've never given them enough of a reason to, or we've never explained why they should.
1: Or just keep the people who voted for you last time who aren't planning to vote now because they're disillusioned. Well, and that's, you know, that's you know, true. That you know, people like, people, like, it's so funny because I'm always accused of being like, the liberal fantasist live in a weird, progressive, delusional utopia. And yet people like, you know, uh, Tom Nichols, someone I respect, I don't agree with, but right. uh, he was making the point the other day, are young people really not going to vote if we don't if Biden doesn't cancel student debt. Are they going to let democracy die? Look, that may be an irrational position. I agree with him. You should vote to save democracy over any other policy issue. But mm-hmm. the reality is that's what they're saying they're going to do. So what are, what are you going to do about it? What is the Biden right. administration going to do about it? People are craving leadership. And I think, you know, I, I, it's so funny how the bar is so low. I tweeted today about where's Schumer and where's Biden on, on the Republicans and Great Replacement. Somebody said, Biden spoke about it in Buffalo on Monday. Great! Like, <laughs> Schumer gave a speech on the House floor. Great for all Ooh. the people who binge C-SPAN on Monday. Fantastic. Right. <laughs> but wh- where is the full court press, which the Republicans are masters of? Get in front of every camera every day, 24-7. If it's not if Sch- Schumer, do it Pelosi. If it's not Pelosi, someone else where is the entire democratic leadership on a daily basis, 24-7? It's, it's still, it's a nightmare to book democratic politicians sometimes. They should be in front of every microphone, every camera with message discipline saying, this is a party that wants to ban abortion even if the mother's life is in danger. What is it? 70%, 80% of Americans do not agree with that position, including millions of pro-life people as well who say there should be an exception for the health of the mother. So it's bizar- Where are they, why are they not saying that? Why are they not on camera saying this is a party that's pushing the same theory that the guy who massacred people in Buffalo did? I just, I just want to see that. If you lose after all that, fine. But if you don't do that and you lose, don't come back and tell us in November, well, we tried and it was really defund the police and it was really, ah, shut up. <laughs> no, please don't stop, just stop all that the people who the propagandists who come out and just say it's the fault of the left and it's the fault of activists and no at some point the leadership the party the establishment has to take responsibility it's not the job of the media to do this it's not the job of the activists to do this it's not the job of voters to do this it is the job of polit- political leaders the people who are already elected the people who already control the levers of government the levers of power to do something about it between now and november
0: I could not agree with you more. And we have to leave it there. But Medihouse House and this, I'm so glad you were able to be here tonight. Thank you for having Everybody, me. Everybody listen to Medi Shows. I tell you, I learn something every single time. Um I cannot wait to read your book. We'll have to have you come back on before that for sure. i yes, love to. Um so thank you for spending this time.
1: Thanks so much, Mayor.
0: Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. We've all had struggles with our skin, whether as adolescents or as adults, and that's why I'm really excited to partner with Apostrophe. It's a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne and connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history, then snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will create your custom treatment plan. Apostrophe treats all types of acne, from hormonal acne to facial acne and even chest and back acne. They treat breakouts from head to toe. It's amazing knowing your treatment plan was from a real dermatologist and that your plan was tailored just for you, not to mention how quick it is to submit your visit, all without the need to schedule an appointment. I have a special deal for our audience. You can save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash Mary. When you use our code Mary, that's M A R Y. this code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash Mary and click begin visit, then use our code Mary at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's apostrophe.com slash Mary, dot ecom slash Mary, and use that code Mary to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. And we thank Apostrophe so much for sponsoring this podcast. So um, the baby formula shortage has been growing in severity. However, uh, the Biden administration and the House of Representatives have actually been taking steps to ameliorate it. Uh, Biden, for example, uh, invoked the Defense Protection Act to um, help increase uh, the uh, amount of baby formula being produced. This, by the way, is something that Donald could have done during COVID to, um, to increase production of PPE or ventilators, but I, he didn't think that was important enough anyway. So President Biden is doing that. Uh, two bills passed in the House of Representatives. One uh, was, I believe another um, bill to help increase production of baby formula. Another one, was to provide something like $38 million, which as somebody, I think it was Greg Sargent said, you could find that in the couch cushions in the Department of Defense. $38 million for America is not a lot of money. And it was simply to you know, help um, increase accessibility, et cetera, et cetera. 192 Republicans in the House of Representatives voted against helping hungry babies get fed. That needs to be shouted from the rooftops. These are the same Republicans who at the beginning of this crisis were complaining that babies in facilities at the border, in other words, the babies of people who wanted to become immigrated to this country, they were complaining that those babies were being provided with formula as if it's totally cool to starve babies simply because their parents want to become American citizens. These people are out of their fucking minds and we can never, ever, ever let them get away with pretending they hate children, don't hate children, they do. So that sort of brings me to the next um, issue, which is that Doug Mastriano, we talked about, I just talked about this, he just won his uh, primary in Pennsylvania for uh, the governorship. Uh, he's, he's just off the charts, awful. He supported the January 6th insurrection. He um, has basically said if a Democrat gets more votes in the presidential election, he won't care. He will disqualify that person and he will give the uh, 20 electoral votes that Pennsylvania has to the Republican candidate. And there's really nothing anybody can do about that because he gets to appoint the secretary of state. This is also a person who is against abortion in all cases, in the case of rape, in the case of incest, Even if the life of the mother is at stake, he believes that life, or I should say believes because I don't think he believes any of this shit. He believes that life begins at conception and that at conception, that little clump of cells is more valuable than the actual human woman. So there's something else, though, that that we don't talk about enough. Abortion, in all instances, is a medical procedure. Right. It's health care. It's also, though, used not to terminate viable pregnancies, but to terminate pregnancies that will never produce a living baby. Because ectopic pregnancies, by the way, if they are allowed to proceed, all they do, if untreated, is kill the woman and no baby because ectopic pregnancies are incapable of producing life. They're against abortion for ectopic pregnancies. They're against abortion if a woman has miscarried and, for whatever complicated reasons, her body is not naturally able to go through the labor process and therefore would need an abortion. These people, we give we give them way too much room. To lie and to co-op language, we've got to stop saying pro-life. They're anti-choice. I think we need even need to come up with something better. And I suddenly hear people saying, you know, they only care about, you know, um, the child from birth, from conception to birth. No, they don't. No, they don't. You tell me that there is one elected Republican out there who, if his or her daughter, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-old daughter got pregnant, his or her daughter was the victim of rape, that they wouldn't, in a heartbeat, help get that child an abortion, because otherwise her life would be ruined. These people don't care about you or anybody else, so we cannot take our eyes off of that, and we cannot let up. It's, It's dangerous the degree to which so many people are willing to accommodate their cruelty and their extremism. Uh, It looks like uh, Sweden and Finland have decided to join NATO, and most of NATO seems perfectly willing to welcome them. I think this is a huge step. It also shows you just how stupid Vladimir Putin was to um, invade Ukraine for many reasons, but he did not want Sweden and Finland to join NATO. And there was no there was no reason that they were going to, but they share borders with Russia and or at least Finland does. And they need to um they need the protections of the national uh, of NATO, right? So the problem though is that uh Hungary, which is led by autocrat Viktor Orban, is now having second thoughts because in, in NATO The decision to invite new countries in has to be unanimous. So we'll see what happens. But absolutely, absolutely, uh, Sweden and Finland should become members of NATO, no question. Uh, It looks like inflation is still one of the uh, biggest problems that American citizens uh, think is the most important problem, which drives me crazy because there's literally... I mean, it's OK to think it's a it's it's a serious problem because for a lot of people it is, especially since we don't pay people living wages in this country. However, there's nothing that the president of the United States can do about it, just as there's nothing he or she can do about gas prices. I don't know why I said she. I guess I'm being hopeful. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that that's still at the top of the list. But also, uh, according to certain news reports I've seen, the uh American concern for polarization and gun violence are also climbing up the list, as is, by the way, the overturning of Roe, and that gives me hope, because um, I think more than anything, the Supreme Court's overreach in that area will galvanize uh, the younger generation, as Mehdi and I were saying, Um, so I'm happy to see that people are paying attention. Uh, We also have Seen that uh, the great replacement theory is entering the mainstream, you know what? It's been the mainstream. The Republican Party is the party of white supremacy. Period. End of story. This incarnation of the Republican Party always has been. Starting with Nixon, it's only getting worse though because we've never dealt with the fact that this country is a country of white supremacy. It has. It was born in white supremacy. It was born in the oppression of an entire race of people, both Native American and African. So we have to stop pretending that this is something new. We have to stop pretending that this is something we can't do anything about because, oh, you know, it's just in our bones. No, it's not. We need to We white people in particular need to start facing facts and understand that our privilege, even though there's nothing we can do about it, can't give away, but our privilege comes directly from the fact that we've never grappled with our white supremacy. And we need to start doing that. And we need to make sure that people who espouse these vile, dangerous ideas, are nowhere near the levers of power. And if that isn't enough reason to vote, even though you think the Democrats aren't doing enough for you, or even though you're sick of voting and not getting more, I don't know what to tell you. Because this country will become an autocracy in which the conditions for people of color and women will continue to get worse and worse and worse. And if that's not enough to convince you to vote, I don't know what else to fucking tell you, okay? Sorry, it's been a long week. I cannot believe everything that has gone down this week. And as I said to Mehdi at the beginning, it all feels like it's of a piece. It all feels like it's part of the Republicans war on democracy and on Americans. Um, and we need to treat it that way, right? Because otherwise things get lost in the shuffle. Like seriously, how is it possible that we have forgotten that uh, five year, four or five years ago, Donald was telling elected representatives to go back where they came from, right. So let's make sure we understand that all of this is of a piece. And we are the ones, if we come out in big enough numbers, we are the ones who can change the course of history. If you're not listening to the Midas Touch podcast, you really need to be. Three brothers, Ben, Brett, and Jordy, started a political movement fighting for democracy, and they've been releasing viral videos, which have gotten over 2 billion views, and they host the twice-a-week Midas Touch podcast. They're unapologetically pro-democracy. They pull no punches. The Midas Touch podcast has the top politicians and changemakers as guests on their show. The Midas Touch podcast delves deeply in today's most important social and political issues that are ignored by the media. And it delivers the news with sincerity, humor, and of course, brotherly love. And I will not tell you which of them is my favorite. See why the Midas Touch podcast on the Midas Media Network is one of the top news podcasts in America and the world. Subscribe now to the Midas Touch podcast. That's M E I D A S. T-O-U-C-H, wherever podcasts are available. Okay, I want to get to some listener questions. I I haven't done that enough lately, and um, I want to get back uh, into the habit of that. From Denise, uh, she writes, if we're returning to the early days of common law where abortion was not mentioned in the Constitution, then may we assume that since assault rifles are not mentioned in the Second Amendment, we can collect and destroy all guns manufactured since the time of the musket. (laughs) Denise, there you go being logical. (laughs) Uh, You're absolutely right, of course. But this Supreme Court, this Republican, they don't care. Hypocrisy is, um, I think, one of the things that fuels them. They are perfectly comfortable saying, you know, abortion wasn't mentioned in the Constitution, so we can't have abortion, but it's different for guns. And I'll tell you exactly what they would say. They would say it's because, you know, with abortion, there's another life involved. Like, that's going to be their excuse across the board. So um, logic's not going to work. They don't care. They have all the power, and we are seeing how that's playing out. We're seeing how our failures to hold people accountable is playing out with uh, – what's his name, Clarence Thomas, just giving these um, speeches and talking in front of these very partisan groups. Uh, They know they can get away with it and they're gonna keep doing it and we should be uh, forewarned. From Richard in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, why do Democrats let Republicans get away with being the pro-life party? The GOP is the anti-life party. They don't care about Conceptions Press. Oh, thank. We are absolutely on the same page, Richard. I agree with you, and more people need to understand that. From Tamara in Colorado, do you think that Nixon being indicted and or sent to jail would have had a deterrence effect on Donald because he'd seen there were consequences? Actually, I think if Nixon had been indicted and or sent to jail, uh, Donald wouldn't have happened. I think the course of history would have been uh, completely different, first of all. Secondly, um, Nixon was impeached for the wrong thing. He should have been... Indicted and sent to prison for stealing the 1968 election, which he did by convincing the president of South Vietnam not to complete the uh, peace talk, the negotiated peace talks, which were in the works with Lyndon Johnson's administration. Uh, So because Nixon knew that if peace talks were arrived at during the election, Johnson would have won and Nixon didn't want to risk that. Instead, what did he risk? He risked about 25,000 uh, American lives because he was a war criminal. And the fact that that man escaped prison is is totally beyond my comprehension. Um, from Michael, why is Biden, Biden letting the Republicans tell Americans what his Southern border policy is? By saying nothing, Biden is emboldening the Republican narrative. Why isn't Biden, I, I don't know, um, but we really do need to pay more attention to um, the, the, the vicious anti-immigrant rhetoric that comes out of the Republican Party um, because they use it to to keep their base engaged and afraid and fear is, is their biggest weapon. Um, so I really do hope that as, as we get closer and closer to the election and that continues to be an issue that the, the democrats in general and the biden administration in particular um has a more direct message about immigration and does more to make immigration policies better and more fair from janice what will it take for biden to pick up his poll numbers going into midterms i'm worried well for, in terms of what biden can do uh things like talk about expanding the supreme court cancel he should absolutely cancel student debt um what he's doing with the baby formula shortage i think is is spot on he needs to be doing more things like that and the democrats the democratic party elected democrats need to start playing hardball which seems to have been one of the main themes of the conversation i just had with Betty. from Marsha, where can i find a list of winnable races at the state and national level to which i should donate do you have any recommended races funny you should mention that marcia Um, A few weeks ago, I launched a political action committee called the Democracy Defense Fund. Um, One of the main, our main uh, goals with the fund is to help educate people about what the most important races are this coming November. And it's not just uh, the Senate and the House of Representatives. We're talking about Secretary of State races, which are vitally important because a lot, I think in 19 states, Republicans are running for secretary of state who are claiming that the 2020 election would, uh, was stolen and that they would overturn the results of the 2020 election and that they would not accept the legitimacy of a democratic win in 2020 2024. So um, we're going to help educate people about uh, the pivotal races with serious electoral consequences. We're going to help people understand what's going on with voter suppression and voter subversion at, at all different state levels. So I, I really appreciate you asking the question. Um, so definitely go to democracydefensefund.com and check out what we're doing over there. Um, I just realized I'm speaking really quickly. I'm a New Yorker, so I have tendency to speak quickly uh, anyway, but many, I think, even speaks even more quickly than I am. So I think in 45 minutes, we got in like three, three hours worth of show. So I apologize. And, you know, if you, if you listen to this after it's live, uh, there's a setting in YouTube. You can slow down the playback speed. My apologies. Uh, okay. This was great. It was so wonderful uh, to have many on tonight. Thank all of you for listening to this episode of The Mary Trump Show. Um, don't forget, next Tuesday, we have our... Mary Trump Show Strategy Session at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific, and that's at youtube.com slash politicon. And then our regular Thursday show every week on Thursdays at youtube.com slash politicon. Also at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We had to shift the time around tonight to accommodate Medi's schedule. We'll keep you posted if that's going to happen again. Um, But, you know, luckily it all worked out. So next week, as far as I know, it's going to be at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific. And uh, while you're on YouTube, please follow uh, Politicon, like the episode, leave some comments. We love hearing from you. And don't forget to click on the bell because that way you will be sure to be alerted every time uh, a new episode drops. Also, you can listen to the show in podcast form on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star review because it really does help other people um, find the show. And, and we, we really want to increase our, our listenership because um, there's so much going on uh, and my guests have so much to share with all of us. So uh, I think that's it. Um, thank you again all so much for being here. I appreciate all of your comments. I appreciate your emails and your questions. And um, I will see you next Tuesday. So in the meantime, please stay safe and be kind.